Hello and welcome to Salacast. Myself, Ollie Warner and Glenn Price. Um, and I won't ask how you're doing, Glenn, because I think <laughs> it's fair to assume that you are chuffed, happy, ecstatic, um, another week as a Shrewsbury Town fan. Yeah, I was going to say, find me another Shrewsbury Town fan that doesn't feel all those words, including yourself, Ollie. <laughs> it, is, um, it is the season of seasons so far, isn't it, in terms of, you know, your opening period of the season and, and it just keeps getting... Crazier and crazier in some respects, and uh, yeah, the, the the Rotherham game this weekend was was an absolutely enjoyable experience to to have been at, and um, so we'll get into that in a bit more, won't we? But yeah, we should just say obviously I went to I went to the Rotherham game this week, and, and feel quite privileged to have done so with another seven hundred town fans. But um, you couldn't make it, could you? But you 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 kept up with the game, and you've watched all the highlights, so we should be good to go, shouldn't we? Yeah, I was um, away um, weekend away um, in Oxfordshire. Um, I the beauty of iFollow and yeah, your your yeah. iPhone in your car. I was listening to all the second half bit of the first, um, and yeah, kind of following it obviously with Twitter and stuff. And I've watched the extended highlights back. Um, mm. So yeah, be interesting. Really looking forward to getting your take on the game, Glenn, because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that even you know, even someone who's listened to the game and watched the extended highlights, there's a lot <laughs> of gaps uh, in kind of what happened. So yeah, looking forward to getting into this one. It was, it was interesting. It was, I was funny. I was thinking that this season's becoming a bit of an addiction for me now, where I'm finding actively finding ways of getting to be able to go to every away game. Whereas for the for the last few seasons, you're like, well, you know, I could probably I can find a reason not to go to Rotherham. I can find a reason not to go to Bury. Now I'm actively looking for reasons to go. And I think that as the crowds away crowds are building up, I think more people are feeling like that. Yeah, because you mentioned something to quite interesting me. So, so Glenn, how many games are you going to for the rest of 2017? All of them, <laughs> <laughs> apart from the LD, apart, apart from the Czech Trade Trophy fast. But yeah, I'm, I'm basically I've already pre-arranged to get to everything, and that's you know I, I'm a sort of normally five or six away games a season man. You know anything within two hours, but at the moment I, I am it is so exciting, and, and I know that everyone's feeling like it, but I just don't want to miss a second of it because yeah. it could be another generation before something like this happens again. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a good preamble. I, I'll probably just say you know pre-match I, I went up and I did my usual thing. I went to Sheffield this week, Holly, and yep. we went and found a little indoor mini golf center, which was amazing. It was right in oh, right cool. near Meadow Hall. And uh, me and my dad drew, but we schooled my children, so that was good. And then headed over the sort of M1 to the other side to Rotherham. And I'd been to Rotherham years ago. Went to went to um, Don Valley. They played a season at the Don Valley Stadium. I don't know if you remember that. Played a few seasons there actually. I've been there a couple of times. Yes. So I went went to that stadium, and I've also been to Millmore back in the day. And, and they're not too far away, the new stadium and the old stadium. But nothing. Time doesn't seem to have healed Rotherham. It is <laughs> full of abandoned buildings and like half demolished buildings and just junk and skips everywhere. It's one of the most it's not a particularly nice place, and we went into the town centre to get some lunch, and that wasn't much much to write home about either. So, yeah, it wasn't. It was one of those typical horrible northern towns, to be honest with you. And I yeah. knew I was up north, Ollie, when I was walking in, and a, and a typical Yorkshire northern man used the phrase "cock and duck" in one sentence. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew I was definitely up north then. So, yeah, it was it was a good day up there, obviously for the result, and um, wasn't the nicest place to go to. So it was good to escape there with three points. So, yes, I think uh, we shall get into the match action from last week, Ollie. So, after a bit of a spell without any um, league or um, FA Cup game, um, it's interesting having a, an international break. So, yeah, we don't normally have those. Nope. So, that was interesting. Um, so, Shrewsbury played Warsaw in the Checker Trade Trophy at home. Uh, not really <laughs> much to say apart from we lost. Paul Hurst was incensed. He was incredibly, incredibly annoyed with the manner that we lost. Yeah, and he basically said the players will regret this because they're going to be on the trading ground for the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, I was was interested to see how they were going to react to that. Um, Mm. And the only thing really worth noting is that um, we've got um, Port Vale away um, 
which obviously brings back memories of last time we went to Port Vale away. So, yeah, not much to say about that, and I think it's probably better just to focus on the Rotherham game. Yeah. So, yeah, Rotherham this Saturday, um, there was um, 8,184 fans in total, um, 699 from Shrewsbury. It's a shame if I'd gone, I'd have made the 700. Um, So I bet a lot of Shrewsbury Tanza fans are thinking that because, yeah, um, it's just another one of those highlights of the season, isn't it, in terms of Mm. peaks of times of adrenaline. So I I should just say, before we get into it, I actually know, that we technically had 700 Shrewsbury Town fans there because um, a friend of mine um, has got some family from Sheffield he's uh, sort of spent a lot of time up there and he actually sat in the Rotherham end so he was technically supporting ah. Shrewsbury so <laughs> you can amend that to and 700 and also would you count um, we could also count um, Paul Hurst's family oh they yeah were true in the, away in the <laughs> other end as well so yeah that's a funny one so Henderson was back The Rock um, was back we need a nickname for Hendo don't we Rotherham Hendo we need a, a nickname <laughs> for him um, so yeah. yeah Henderson Riley at right back um, Sadler, Toto, Beckles. Obviously, um, interesting Sadler started in, the, in central defence, but we'll come on to that later. Yeah. Um, Godfrey, and then the normal midfield um, of Godfrey, Worley, Nolan, Agogo, Rodman, and then Payne was back up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of a uh, scare, wasn't there, that Nolan um, wasn't going to be in the team. Um, he almost he came often in the FA Cup game as a precaution. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's um, there's news, isn't there, that um, it didn't come out until a few weeks ago, but um, not every town fan will know this. So, so, yeah, do you want to share with time fans yeah, uh, about Nolan? Yeah, because obviously we, me and Ollie just been talking pre-record and he says he watches every single video and I follow because you know, <laughs> he's, he's organised and I'm not. And um, he knew about this injury, but obviously the, the sort of news had come out more widely, I think, that he'd actually been carrying a knock since pre-season in Portugal. Yeah. Um, it, so what worries me, well, what impresses me is he's been playing this amazingly all season and he's actually been carrying a knock. And obviously it sidelined him over the sort of FA Cup period and he's had a nice you know period to recover. But... The, the sort of signs were that he wasn't going to start against Rotherham, weren't they? Um, and when I went in and I saw the team news and I thought he was playing, I was just like, fantastic. That's an absolute massive bonus to have him back. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that he's been carrying this knock, isn't it? Yeah, it just shows you how well that um, Paul Hurst is and the team are. And, you know, you don't get secrets coming out of the club anymore. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we so Hurst first mentioned it after the FA Cup game. And, yeah, said he'd been carrying something. Now, one thing interesting when if you read, you know, autobiographies like footballers and you hear about things, often players are carrying something. Um, it's not like football manager when players normally get to 100% fitness. <laughs> you know, they've always got a little something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's a bit of a concern, but, um, yeah, it just shows what a trooper he is. And, um, yeah, it was good to have him back. Well, I should also say from, you know, we'll get into the details of the game, but he played the entire game. He was yeah. fantastic. You wouldn't have thought he had any injuries whatsoever, and he, and he was amazing. So whatever knock he's carrying, it really doesn't affect him on a, on a week-to-week basis normally. So we're happy for that. Um, I suppose the other team news that we were just talking about was it was obviously interesting Riley getting the nod at right back, obviously having played yeah. the left back and, you know, potentially bringing Bolton back in and then Beckles getting the nod at, at left back because um, we could have switched that around as well. So, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I think, you know, for me, I was quite happy to see that team starting. So um wasn't really wasn't really a worry for me. I think before we get into the actual game, I mean, I, I sort of talked about going there, and it is a, it is a nice stadium, Ollie. I don't know if you went there in the last, you know, when. It... No, I haven't. No, I've I've seen I've obviously heard about it, and I've I've seen a, quite a lot of, obviously on Facebook as well. I've seen a lot of photos, but I'm aware of the kind of the ground is very similar to ours in a sense in terms of its kind of size and stature. Kind of, but yeah. but there is some, some there is one key thing difference, isn't there? Yeah, the corners are all filled in, and it does yeah. it does help provide that bowl environment, and it does does feel like much more of a sort of. I, I don't want to say it, but a more grandiose venue. For yeah, football. it does look a little bit smarter, doesn't it? It's kind of like if, if I'm honest, when I saw when I see, when you see the corners, and there is this one Choose Your Town fan who um, who def- I know for a fact really wants our corners filled in. That's Danny Davis. Yeah. Um, he often talks about the corners, and yeah, I think looking at Chesterfield's grand does look a little bit smarter, doesn't it? That mm. little bit more. 
Um, yeah, I don't know what it's hard to describe, but it just looks cooler, doesn't it? Almost yeah. with the corners in. Yeah, it looks like a proper 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 arena, I suppose, rather yeah. than a football stadium in, in some respects. But um, yeah, I think it's one of the better new build stadiums, personally, in my view. I haven't been to most of them now, and um, when you got in there, I thought it might be quite hard for town fans to make an atmosphere because the roofs are quite high actually in in the stand we we're in. But um, as as we'll come to talk about, that was not the case. The atmosphere was uh, was not a problem from the seven hundred town fans. Um, it was an amazing effort, to be honest with you. Um, and I suppose before we get into the game, it was it was interesting pre match. There was a, a couple of things that went on. We had a, a moment of silence, um, and the poor guy playing the um, uh, the the trumpet was it or whatever it was. I can't remember what the bloody instrument is now, but he, he didn't spit in it, whatever it was, to get it going. And it was a very <laughs> very shady rendition uh, rendition <laughs> of the last post. Um, but. The, the, the actually that in total silence and the silence before it was actually really chilling I, I thought there were some people right by me and I, I guess they must have had some people who served in the military but they were in floods of tears so it was quite a, quite an emotional start to the game um, and then prior to that Rotherham obviously have got Paul Hurst as one of their legends and they were making a big deal of it and he had his name around, announced around the whole stadium and, and all four sides were up and clapping for him and it was a massive show of respect for the work that he's done for them in his previous career and the work he's doing for us in his current career so um yeah, that, that was quite interesting as well. So uh, yeah, it was yeah. Um, it was a, it was a it was a very emotionally charged sort of pre pre start to the game, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's quite interesting. An interesting stat going into the game um, that Shrewsbury Town had the more points than any other team in the country. Oh yeah. So stat, yeah, it's quite a nice stat. Yeah, that's a good one. Stole that with glee. Going to be going to be a while between Man City catch us, even though they don't lose. But you know they've still got to play a few more games to catch us up. Yeah. So we might get into the new year before they do that. So um, yeah. Then we went into the game. In fact, town fans roared them from the start. It was a, it was a real good roar as, as the game started and. I thought it was quite an open and an even game the start of it. Um, you know, we both looked like we could sort of threaten um, when we were going forward, um, and we looked more threatening down the flanks as we usually do, Ollie, with with the wingers doing their business. Yeah. Um, but they looked dangerous the other way around. Then they had a sort of big striker. I forget what his name was now, but um, he he was a particularly Moore. big problem. Is it problem. Moore? The guy who scored Moore. Moore. Uh, yeah, it might be. He looked dangerous, to be honest with you, and um, they definitely had a, a target man type approach. Um, they would throw it up to him, and he was causing um, Sadler and and Toto a few problems in the initial in initial periods. He, he liked to throw his elbows around a little bit as well, which didn't endear him to the town fans. But um, yeah, and it was interesting because that was obviously the tactic they were going to play. They were quite physical, and um, after about five minutes, you probably noticed it when the extended highlight Sadler suddenly switched to left back and Beckles yep. went in centre back. So why why did he do that then? Well, it looked to me to combat mainly the, the big guy up front because it was yep. a bit more physicality. But as I just said then, they had a guy who had an enormous throw. He, you know, he could throw it straight on to the penalty spot and beyond. And, you know, that was a problem as well. And I think that, you know, having Beckles in there, that physicality did just make a bit of a difference. And Beckles had a really good game. And I, I thought that that change actually worked a treat and that Paul Hurst deserves a lot of credit for it. Because actually, I think Sadler probably gave us a little bit more going forward that Beckles could have done as well, as yep. you'll see later on for the goal. So... Fantastic that Hurst is, is not going to stick with, with that if he sees it, an opportunity to change things around. And it, it did a really good job of it. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, um, yeah, well, Shrewsbury Town scored, didn't they, after Joe Nolan's what after 16 minutes and Sadler was involved in that attack. He was, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a good goal, to be fair. I, I thought it was Robin from, from where I was because we were sort of on the opposite side from it. But, um, yeah, it was Sadler pushing up there like sort of the good old days, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, he got his goal there. But it was quite a few things happened before that goal, Ollie, to be honest with you. And, and you know, certain things like penalties and bits and pieces like that we probably want to go <laughs> first. So we'll, we'll come to the goal in a minute. But, um yeah, after about I say after about five minutes, they switched uh, around the the centre back and, and the left back, and then Riley was a little bit slack in the open exchanges. I think it was the sort of worst period of the game he had. He, he got caught out of position a couple of times, and he gave away a, a couple of free kicks. Which, to be honest with you, we were every player gave away a load of free kicks on the game. Um, the referee was 
poor, shall we say? And I've got got to talk about him in a minute. But um, yeah, shall we? Kind of. I think it's almost like can do. there's so many things that happen with this this referee. It's probably worth maybe like I don't know. Just take your view on this, but maybe is it worth summarising <laughs> at the end? Because there's so many things, and yeah. I've got quite a few questions I'd like to ask about the ref as well. Yeah, we'll leave him to the end. We'll give him a good going over. Yeah. Um, and then we created our first chance of the game. I think on about five or six minutes, where Wally, um, who was having a really good game against their their, their left back. Um, he, he basically ran at him a couple of times got past him and put a cross in and it just got sort of a toe on it when the defender's got a toe on it it got caught back from Payne then and Payne would have probably just popped it home if it had gone to him but the, it, it fell sort of sideways off and, and someone had a sort of shot then and it just went wide so at that point felt like town had settled then do you know what I mean we'd had our first chance we were obviously getting into the game and it looked like we were going to be sort of trying to push forward and get our opening goal but from nowhere it was a penalty to Rotherham Ollie. Um so on my first view, I thought it looked a bit clumsy and a bit stupid, is my view. What did you think when you saw the highlights first off? Um, I kind of felt that I could see why it was given, mm. but I think the player went down because as to, almost as they came together, he was down, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was almost yeah. like it was too fast. It was yeah, it happened too fast almost for him to, you know, there wasn't a reaction. It was almost like it, it kind of... He made the decision at the same time, so I think it was a bit clumsy, but I think it was um, I think it was harsh. I think I agree with you. Having looked at the replay on the on the day, I thought, oh, that's just a classic Toto, Toto you know, bit yeah. of a moment. Um, having seen the replay, he didn't meet, need to make the contact, did he? You know, the guy wasn't going to score from the position he was on. He was sort of still almost back to goal, um, if not quite back to goal, but turned a little bit. Um, but I can see why it was given, and I think it was probably a penalty. You know, I'd have probably been moaning for it if I hadn't have given it. And yeah, he did go down really easily, Ollie. You picked that up. But again, pretty much all the Rotherham players went down easy the entire game. You know, that was an obvious tactic that they were doing. So yeah, I think that in a, in an ideal world, Toto wouldn't have made the challenge. He would have just stood off him and, and made a block potentially. Yeah. But you know, that contact gave the referee a choice to make, and, and as we'll talk about later, that referee made the choice in favour of Rotherham. So yeah. yeah, there we go, penalty. My dad suddenly turns around to me. Show him my dad this weekend my dad turns around to me he's so negative most of the time and he was like oh Glenn this is going to go one or two ways here if we concede here we'll go 4-0 down I was like dad <laughs> your dad's a Shrewsbury Town fan through and through oh god he is yeah and um, so I said to him well we're fine you know Henderson he's a good goalkeeper he's a good goalkeeper we'll, we'll do well here and yeah he made a, a fantastic sprawling save didn't he down to his uh, down to his left hand side you know Nice height, which is what Pearl Horse brings up in his post-match interview. But um, you know, even though it was a nice height, as everyone says, it was a really good save. And to be honest with you, helps him and his sort of legend at this football club grow, doesn't it? He's, yeah. The man can't do anything do anything wrong, can he? No, no, he can't. He was, <laughs> uh, Paul Hurst did say it was the right height, and he would have saved it if his arms were long enough. He did say that, didn't um, he? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was quite funny. But he had to be there, you know. He obviously, and and I think, like, I think it's, um, I think it's a bit um, short-sighted to view. It, on the save, he obviously read the play. I assume we're taken, you know, yeah. we're giving him some praise. We assume that he judged the situation as as um, as players do, and mm-hmm. he took a decision on based on his run up and maybe intel. Maybe I'm sure Danny Coyne probably does look at these things, so maybe a bit of intel as well from the the, the fans. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the fans, sorry, um, <laughs> from the staff. Um, <laughs> maybe the fans helped him. I don't know, Glenn. Um, but um, yeah, he saved it. It was a good save. I'd say the fans do help him with his confidence. They that's do, for sure. yeah. Jesus, um, but yeah, so that that was fantastic, and and, and obviously he made the save, and it, it went wide, and we cleared it away, and. Um, 
Yeah, it, it was uh, the only interesting thing I picked up on it being there on the day that maybe didn't get picked up was there was a bit of a delay between the penalty being taken and um, when it had been given. I don't like it when that happens. It kind of builds the tension even more than is necessary. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But the good thing was, just before it got taken, Abu Hagogo walked into the box and seemed to have a very aggressive, slightly cheeky word with the guy that was taking it. And I thought, oh, okay. you know, it's little little moments like that that sometimes put players off. And they're the things that we would never would have done in the past. No. You know, we were just, we were soft... Um, in previous seasons, so I'm, I, don't, I don't mind a bit of that. He was getting massive boos from the Rotherham fans. So, well, yeah, we'll t- I got a few questions about them as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was fantastic. So, yeah, we we saved it, and then and then, and then as you talked about before, the goal didn't take too long after that. Um, and Rotherham were on top after they missed the penalty. To be honest with you, you know, the, the long throw was a big weapon, as I just said. And so, um, what was the time difference know, it, between the the penalty and the goal? Because it didn't seem very long. It Was only a few minutes, wasn't it? It wasn't long. Um, but Rotherham had got on top just before the goal and. And, you know, I said we were creating chances and we'd settled, but I think they were sort of in charge of the game, if you will, um, with possession-wise. But I suppose we've been happy to give teams possession this season, haven't we? So that's no real reflection on our game plan. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the goal was, was really good, I thought. So, as we said, Sadler got up there and um, played a lovely little sort of through ball between a couple of defenders um, that put Nolan in. And we were sitting sort of to the side of the goal, behind the goal. And, you know, we were right in line with between sort of, if you took a tra- trajectory from where Nolan was, the post, and then we were like behind it. And you could just see the gap between the goalkeeper and the post was actually really small. And the finish yeah. of Nolan was perfectly weighted and perfectly judged. He he found a very, very small gap. Um, and then I went mental and so did everybody else. But f- f- talking about the finish, fair play to Nolan. It was a really good finish. It was a very, very good finish. It was... Um... Yeah, it was very, very tight. Um, and it was really... And yeah, listen to it and kind of like, yeah, kind of reading the, the comments of the goal. And um, when I watched it back, he was not in the position I expected him to be. I thought mm. he was going to be a lot more central. Um, so yeah, it was a really nice... And it was one of those shots where almost it looked like it was in slow... Like it, the ball moved quite slowly, but it was so accurate and so far away from the keeper, yep. he had no chance. It was precision, not power. Yeah, exactly. It was per- you could just see from where we were. We were right in line with it. He, he was just. It was just a, a shot that he was going to put out of the goalkeeper's reach, but just enough so that it sort of nestled into the side of the goal. And it yeah. was, yeah, expertly done. Absolutely class finish. Um, as I say everyone went mad, and we were starting to dream again about another win away from home, and and you know trying to keep yourselves in control. But you can't. It's just so exciting every time we score away from home at the moment. So yeah, that was fantastic. And then our town fans had been pretty decent up to that. And as soon as we won it up, it was brilliant. You know, the Rotherham fans didn't make a peep the whole game. So. That was good. It was had, had the lads had their back in, um, and, and then after yeah. he scored. Sorry, yeah, I had some question about. It. So it was three minutes between the um, also yeah. the penalty was given on the twelfth minute and the thirteenth minute they took it, and then obviously we scored on the sixteenth minute. Yeah. And obviously for their fans, um, that was yeah not the kind of start they wanted. And how did they react to to going behind? Not well. I, there was a, there was an, an edginess to them. Um, I, I watched the Paul Warren post match interview, the Rotherham yeah. manager, and he he mentioned the edginess as soon as we scored, and it was noticeable. It, it's quite strange. I couldn't get my head around it because they're not doing too bad this season. Um, you know, they're, they're up the top of the league, aren't they? In, in terms of you know promotion, you know, charge for a playoff place. So I was surprised to see their fans quite as edgy as they were, but. You know that was the first murmurings you could sort of hear the sort of sort of boos and there was a few few times in the first half where they just played passes straight out of play and there was some much more audible sort of huffing and booing and um, it got worse as the game went on to be honest it was really bad in the second half but they, the fans were were not behind them like we were and you can obviously understand how we were at the moment we're just buzzing about everything but. You know, there was definitely not that togetherness with the fans that we seem to have at the moment. Um, so that it was interesting that you know a team that is doing reasonably well is, is not feeling kind of like we are, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, interesting, interesting. Yeah, there we go. So after that, we scored. Uh, as I say, after we scored, I think Rotherham still had most of the ball again, similar to a few games this season. Um, 
But our defenders, it's particularly the two centre backs, you know, battling against the elbow, weaving uh, Kiefer Moore up front, um, were getting getting well. And, and I think I think it was one of them took a, a blow to the chest at one point and went down, and um, that was a bit frustrating. But yeah, they're most of the ball, but we we still played well on the break, Ollie. Um, we're really good on the break, and our pressing in the first half was fantastic from the midfield three. They really gave. Um, Rotherham not a lot of space so even though they had a lot of ball they were being forced back a lot yeah. and then all they were being pressed into playing it into those ones where I said they played it straight out of play it's because you know either you know Abs or Nolan or um, Godfrey was on them like a like you know straight away so yeah that was good um, but uh, Wally I want to have a chat about Wally in the first half because he had one of those performances again Ollie that I can completely see how devastating he is when he runs at players and he beats them and he gets himself in positions that not a lot of wingers get themselves into but in the first half he was better in the second half first half he was fairly wasteful to be honest with you and, and even taking corners I, yeah. at one point his corners were very very poor that came across in the highlights a lot a lot of yeah poor corners I saw um, some people post some videos and stuff as well and there's a thing mm. as a free kick it might have been yourself that posted it and he, it like, was, yeah. he went straight <laughs> to the opposition and interesting actually just, like he is as skillful as Mark Pugh, I think in yeah, terms of wingers, yeah. Mark Pugh was you know exceptionally skillful um, player, um, and I guess the difference between like yeah Mark Pugh and Wally is obviously Mark Pugh really improved his kind of distribution, and that's enabled him to get to the Premier League. And it might sound a bit I don't know over the top, but Wally's skill is immense. There's one bit where he gets the ball, I think rebound from a corner, he takes it down on his left, and he goes past the the defender in the box. And this is a professional fullback, you know. It's not a, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. you know some Sunday league pub team. And he is, he's like gone past him. The player takes ages to react. His skill is immense. It is. I, I totally agree, Ollie. And it was evident on Saturday. He was brilliant going at players and beating them. And his first touch was really good. And his his he, the option he provides us when we're getting out of situations is is almost second to none. He he pulls himself off into space, and he is always a ready option to get that ball and run with it. And it's just that you know, if he'd be a championship player, oh, easily. Because he, he's got these, he's athletic enough as well. He's, yeah. he's not super super fast, but he's fast enough. But his fitness and stuff is there. He's just. I've got past the point of being overly critical about it, but it was noticeable in this yeah. game, and it hasn't been so noticeable in other games. And and he's, but he still had a good game, Ollie. You know, I, I would say that. Yeah, and him. Interestingly, Justin on Twitter was saying that um, he's the, and he, he gave me a link to um, a website which is quite useful. He's the third top assist in the league. Wow. So even yeah. though with that, imagine how many you'd have, <laughs> Wally. Imagine you'd have how many you'd have if you, um, yeah, if you're across him, is that a little bit more accurate? But um, yeah, oh. he's a good player, and we're not gonna, we're not, we're criticizing him. We're not criticizing him. We're kind of saying he's great. He's really good. We're, we're loving his work. Yeah, but he could be even better. If that makes sense. Tough love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So we wasted a couple of corners, to be honest with you. Um, but they had a quite a few corners, and they looked dangerous from all theirs. But it was the opposite way around. We didn't. They didn't give us the ball back. We actively won our headers and, and you know we're, we're sort of really good at the back again and I think Riley picked his game up then he made some good headers as there was some yeah. crosses into the box and some good blocks and I thought Sadler was really good at left back you know you know considering he hasn't played there for so long he, he was brilliant I thought so lots of credit to the defenders for the for the way that the first half ended and also we haven't mentioned him so far but we're going to mention him a lot Dean Henderson first half but I'm going to say all game the man I'm, I think that's the best he's dominated an area in the entire season Ollie which is yeah. saying something Oh my God, he came out and caught some unbelievable balls, diving down low, up high. He plucked everything out of the air. And I saw a lot of Rotherham fans saying, by far the best goalkeeper we've seen at Rotherham this season. And he had a fantastic first half, but he had, a, he had an un- unbelievable game in, in general. And I think that he was, it was just a fresh, a breath of fresh air, really, to see someone come and just be that confident. The defenders are so confident when he comes to pick the ball up. They get out of his way. Yeah, <laughs> and they was, just let him do it. There was a, a tweet, I can't find it. Um, 
who and the guy just said yeah he was aggressive um and he says you know he helps the defense so much yep um and they're a big side so paul hurst mentions that um um that you know we don't normally get kind of um you know we're not intimidated by the size of other teams no but was the rotherham team quite noticeably large yeah, I think they were pretty tall. They, they were, I think they were a physical team, but I, I wouldn't like to say they were a physical brute of a team. They were actually pretty good, I thought, Ollie, okay. in terms of they tried to play football, um, yeah. but they just had a target man up front as sort of the big man. But I think he's a decent player. When he had the ball at feet, he was pretty good. So I don't think I didn't think Rotherham were a particularly poor team. I thought they were a good team, to be honest with you. Yeah. So um, yeah, they were they weren't brutes like some of them that we played this season. Um, and I should check about Henderson as well. He didn't actually catch everything this week. Um, he punched a lot, and his punches went absolutely miles. He really, really. Gets a, a real good hand to them when he punches them, and they they were out of the box. You know that's a, not a problem, then, is it? So um, that was it. So the, the half was sort of meandering on. We we were doing a bit of defending, trying to break as as it went on. Um, there was a little bit of controversy towards the uh, end of the half, which Rother and France seemed particularly jiffed off by. So Payne got tackled, and and he got a little cut on his leg by this by the sounds of it. Um, but it was right by sort of the uh, the managers on the side of the pitch, and initially he fell off the pitch, and then he got back up and dumped himself back on the pitch, which, as a town fan, sensible. We didn't want to be playing with 10 men towards the end of the half, and he wanted the ref to come over and stop the game to give him some attention, because um, we had to basically you know, hit the ref to get any attention off him during the game. So, yeah, it was very... The, the Rotherham fans were booing madly at Payne, and he did get back up and play on, and it annoys him even more. But He um, did yeah, go... They, he did go... Apparently he was off the pitch, wasn't he? And then he came back on, so... Yep, yep, he did. So it was a bit cheeky, but... Again, as we said about um, yeah, a go go, you know, it's um, you know, it's 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 a bit cheeky, but yeah. when it's your own team, you don't really care. <laughs> no, and and they had absolutely no leg to stand on when it comes to sportsmanship later on. Well, yeah, we'll you. come on yeah. to that. So there we go. Um, and then yeah, just for half time, there was one funny thing happened where the the Rotherham mascot either went round or sent round to stand behind Dean Henderson, and every time he had a goal kick, he was like telling him to hurry up, which I didn't think was really cricket. To be so, honest, so, with yeah, it's an interesting question. I, this, this is one of my my secret questions, Glenn. I've um, kept from you. <laughs> so um, so did the ref? Did we waste time when it was? Well, we haven't come to the sending off yet, but did we waste time in the first half when it was eleven v eleven? Um, and and also, did the ref rush us all game? I mean, I don't think we really did, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, we weren't fast taking goal kicks, but we weren't ages and ages and ages. But was he rushing us from the start? The referee, I, not that I could tell. I mean, it seems the sound sounds like Hurst thought he was, but yeah, he did. To me, it just seemed like we were taking goal kicks like normal. To be honest with you, maybe a little bit slowly, but we weren't. You know, trying to hold the ball in the corner or or, or doing spoiling tactics. You know, the pain thing, pain thing aside, we weren't. You know, playing the dark arts game really horribly. We were just. You know playing the game you know we'd take yep. as long as we need to take and and that's that you know it wasn't like we were taking ages from throw-ins as far as i could make out so it, it was a bit interesting that i didn't think we were overly time wasting in the first half yeah he paul hurst um yeah mentions that yeah we, were, we would be he said he's never had a ref that's rushed us that much he did yeah, mention this in terms of context that have to have been sent off but yeah i got the impression it was kind of a yeah the sense of the whole game but um mm. yeah so half time um one nil up yep half time and we've got roared off uh fantastic uh, not much happened at half time there was a kids game <laughs> that was about Any it really good food what was uh, the no, experience I don't, I don't eat football food anymore mate although the most devastating part of my day Ollie was um, you've heard of uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of this but there's a place called Five Guys Burgers and there yeah, were quite yeah. a few around the country they're fantastic anyway where we went to do our mini golf in the morning there was a Five Guys next door to it and my daughter had a tantrum wouldn't go in there she wanted a Burger King and I was like my, I was, my daughter's called Elsa I was like Elsa you, you don't believe the mistake you've made there and I should have put my foot down as a father Ollie but there we go oh so after that I wasn't going to eat any crappy football food <laughs> I missed you, out missed, on my you missed out on a Five Guys that's ridiculous I know that's almost, almost for you as high as a KFC but 
<laughs> it's there, borderline. It's it's right with it. Um, so yeah, here we go. Anyway, so uh, my dad had a cup of coffee. That was about it. Um, so yeah, second half. The, the second half started fantastically. There was probably the move of the game, even though it didn't result in a game, which you've probably seen on the highlights. But I think they put another one of their sort of long balls into the box, and old Hendo came out and just plucked it out of the air as usual. And then he basically just dropped it and smashed a half volley right down the other end of the pitch, right into a perfect trajectory for Payne to run onto. Um, the defender he was playing against didn't particularly do very well. Payne picked it, took one touch, got into the box, took another touch and stopped it, and squared it so right across to um, Nolan, who was on rushing. And it just looked like all he had to do was just smash it home. And unfortunately, Nolan blazed it over the bar. But it was it was literally four passes from goalkeeper to the shot. And I just thought, that is town at their devastating best on the counter-attack this season. It was a perfect encapsulation of that. Oh, it was a nice move. It was a very, very nice move. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had my, um, my head in my hands. Uh, at that point unfortunately I was driving but um, yeah um, it was unfortunate but yeah Yeah. it was that was a key moment and almost just listened to on the radio and I guess well that's you Glenn it's more important you were there Mm. Um, did it feel like a key moment potentially a you know a a, a kind of dangerous kind of you know not dangerous sorry that's a crap this again let's edit it did it feel like a a a huge missed opportunity it was well it didn't seem like a huge missed opportunity it was a huge missed opportunity and the fact that Nolan was there with just the keeping to beat and and the most of the goal gaping for him and considering how he'd finished the first goal, you'd have put your house on him to, to smash at home, wouldn't you? So it, it, it did feel like one of those ones where, you know, we were doing counter-attacks and we were trying to get at them and, and play as much as we could, although they had probably more of the ball. So you'd thinking we needed the second goal to kill them off. You you, you always worry about that sort of thing. So it felt yeah. massive at the time. And then we'll obviously talk about the red card, which was the next thing to happen in the game, really. But it felt even more massive after that because you thought you'd like to have gone into, you know, a 10-man period with a, with a two-goal cushion. You'd have felt a lot more comfortable. So, um, yeah, it felt like a big miss. But, um yeah, it wasn't as a, as 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 a long term consideration as what happened next, which was the a go go red card, um, which I should just say happened literally right in front of where me and me and my family were sitting. We were sort of four rows from the front, and it was right down where we were. Um, so, of course, everyone's seen it on the highlights, or if they were at the game, they've probably seen it, or seen it on the uh, at the time. Abs got the ball, was was shielding it into the corner, and he was getting kicked. He was getting kicked by one of their players, and you could just see. You can sometimes see it with Abs, can't you? He does sometimes get kicked and want to give a bit of retribution back straight yeah. away, and you could just kind of see him getting a little bit annoyed in the second or two as it was happening. And then he just did an amazing little drag back, back heel. The, the defender who was kicking him basically got turned. He ran around that defender, so he was out of the situation then. And the ball was then falling basically fifty-fifty between Abs and another defender who was coming up. And to me. At the time, it looked really clumsy, and I thought, oh, he could walk here. Uh, that was my initial reaction, because, one, because it looked a bit naughty, um, because it, it looked like his feet were off the ground, or it looked a little bit two-footed, but also because they reacted really badly to it. The guy was sprawling around on the floor, and pretty much all four or five of their players surrounded the referee. The Rotherham fans were really loud, baying for him to go off, and I just thought, the combination of all those factors, I thought, he'd probably go here, to be honest with you. And and that was the case, wasn't it, to be honest with you? But when you look at it on the replay later on, which I've obviously had a chance to do today, it looks like a lot of a different situation, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's clumsy, isn't it? His foot is high, but the thing that really um, annoyed me the most was... Um, I think if you know, I'm sure when they do their stats that um, some of their players ran faster at that moment than they did in the whole course of the game. <laughs> the, they, they were flying Probably. in, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, all running into shot. Which, yeah, okay, and we we have kind of talked a little bit about some of the dark arts in this game, but you know, there's that. But I don't like you know, hounding the ref and the yeah. No. But at this point, you could hear it and Shropshire Radio were very vocal um, during the game about the Rotherham fans. Obviously, they were sitting kind of amongst them. Mm. Um, and they weren't too complimentary. Um, and um, Mark Elliott was furious, and he was 
he was basically well, he wasn't. He basically said he was saying that the fans got him sent off. Yes, it was like it. I mean, that was probably one of only four or five times they made any noise in the old game. To be honest with you, other than when they were sort of jeering their own team, and you know, the other was after they scored, and it was literally one of those moments where there was a chant came from the Rotherham fans, and it was really late into the game, and loads of shoot fans were like, you know, when you stand up and go, oh yeah, forgot you lot were here, sort of thing. Yeah. They'd been really quiet, um, which was which was surprising, as I said at the start of the podcast, but. Um, yeah, to me it was, you know, clumsy again is the word, isn't it? It almost looks like he's trying to block it. You know, the guy's not got a foot on the ball before Abs does. The sort of, if anything, Abs touches that ball and then he sort of clatters into him, doesn't he? So, unfortunate. And it's, you know, a three game, three game ban, isn't it, for a straight red? If we, we appeal it, I bet it won't get overturned because the FA hate us. So, yeah, yeah it'd be a bit 53 minutes as well is yeah. quite early into the game, isn't it? Well, into the second half. Yeah, which is why we all thought Cri- Crikey would be doing well to get a point out of this, won't we? So, um,. Yeah, there we go. And, and I think it's worth, this is the point where I wanted to talk about the referee, really, because obviously we'd had these this controversial moments, if you will, in terms of a penalty and a, and a card, and we'd given him a decision to make, and he'd given them both to Rotherham. But honestly, that didn't frustrate me the most about the way he played the game as a referee. He um he gave them everything, and, and, it, and it seemed to be every little soft free kick, or you know the way they went down under the smallest of pressure, they got a free kick, and yet there was moments where Henderson got clogged, and um, you know a couple of our players got you know badly tackled or, or or went down in a similar manner, and he sort of waved play on, and it was hugely inconsistent and totally frustrating. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because um, one of the sense the sense I got was, and my my question was, um, if you take if you take the sending off and the penalty kind of out of the equation. Would you still say the referee was um, really biased? Yeah, he was. My, there was a guy behind me talking, um, and he was. He kept saying, "Oh, this guy's a total homer. This guy's a total homer referee." And it, no, I'm not saying it's because they're a big club, because they're not really, are they? But um, no. he was definitely sort of favouring the more, more sort of. What should we say? The more boisterous, boisterous appeals from the Rotherham he was players. Easily influenced. Yeah. Almost. I think so. And once he'd started to get into that mode, it was hard to get him out of it. And you could see it was frustrating our players. And to be fair, we didn't let it go to our heads. You know, the red card wasn't a result of us getting peed off by the referee. It was just, you know, one of those incidents, I suppose. So I thought he was pretty poor in general. But funnily enough, the Rotherham fans seemed to think he was really favourable to us, considering he yeah, gave them a penalty in a red card. I can't get my head around I, that, really. I get you. Yeah, well, maybe you can ask this question now. But are, oh, here's a question for you, Glenn. So are <laughs> Rotherham fans the worst for whinging in the league? <laughs> I don't know. The older fans were pretty bad, weren't they, Ollie? Let's yeah. be honest. Back then, and I know things have turned around for them. They they didn't seem the most um, supportive of bunches. I suppose that's my fair fair thing to say about Rotherham fans. It's strange. I mean, I had a chat with quite a few of them on Twitter last night. Some of them seemed intent on just trying to wind up Shrewsbury Town fans, and some of them actually had some interesting things to say and were quite... I, I probably read more tweets and, and Facebook messages from Rotherham fans praising us for being one of the better teams they've seen this season or praising how organised and, and um, you know robust we were, which I've not seen off many other fans. So I think 50-50 in it, you know. Okay. You get some, you so get you'd, some say, more. you'd say you, you saw a lot of like negative comments and they were obviously quite negative at the ground, but they kind of made up for that in terms of their kind of at least they could see that our strengths. Yeah. And on the way out, me and my dad were walking out and there was there was a town, there was a fan to the side of us from Rotherham and I was listening to what he was saying and got you know, it was the most commendable, you know, praiseworthy things I've ever heard anyone say about us and I sort of wanted to turn and get involved. But yeah, I, I think most clubs got a bunch of fans who are morons and a bunch of fans who were sort of more knowledgeable, I suppose, and I don't know if that's fair enough. But yeah, I don't I don't yeah. I just thought my, my overall view of Rotherham fans was I think they probably need to be a bit more supportive of their team and that might actually help them go somewhere this season because if they keep getting on their their, their teams back for going one nil down against the team top of the league you know after whatever 16 minutes then that's not going to help them get out of any trouble in a game this season and conversely one of the things I was going to come on to talk about is after the game it was noticeable how many of the town players um, I think Payne mentioned it in his interview but all the town players I see most of them are on Twitter or social media now and all of them said 
the vocal support today was what saw us through or it really helped us get over the line and I think maybe that's a lesson for other fans at the moment is and a lesson for us as Town fans because we've not been like that for many years have we because no. of how crap it's been but this positive support and the way we're treating the team and backing them I'm I'm starting to think of something that I, I normally sort of poo-pooed is that I can see it making a very marginal difference on the pitch and I think last season we said the opposite that the booing didn't affect the players potentially I'm changing my view on this because I'm actively seeing how positivity is affecting them on the pitch so Maybe I'm changing my ways as I get older, Ollie. Well, yeah, there's two sides to that as well. Because interestingly, the um, the picture on the Shrewsbury Town website is of um, Payne giving thumbs up to the Rotherham fans and put, uh, yeah. Godfrey putting his fingers to his mouth. Um, oh, so God. obviously the players do hear what's going on, on the pitch, don't they? And Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know. Is, is, I almost was getting the impression from line that, yeah, Rotherham almost see themselves as like a big club now. You know, like a, a bit like almost we were taking the mick out of the Oldham mm. fans. You know, we were in the Premier League and all that. Um, like, are they almost like, yeah, self-righteous? They think that they're, you know, they deserve to be, you know, higher in the league. And yeah, football yeah. doesn't so, work so, like that, does it? You know, you've got, you got to grind out the results. You've got to earn your victories. And, um, yeah, interesting anyway. Yeah, there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there, Ollie, to be honest with you? You can throw money out or you can do it through sheer hard work like we're doing it. And, um when you're one of the teams that's throwing more money at it than a team that isn't, like I imagine the Rotherham's wage bill is way higher than us, yeah. there's that niggle there, isn't there, that they think they should be beating us. But unfortunately, once you've paid your money and you've got your squad in place, if it gels, it gels. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and ours has gelled beyond belief. So there we go. They'll just have to take it on the chin, won't yeah. they? But I, I will say one thing about Rotherham and, and Rotherham's fans. I imagine that they will have a decent season. I thought they were all right, to be honest with you. And they've, they've done all right so far this season. So I, I can imagine Rotherham's fans having a, a reasonably happy season as it goes on. I think... They'll be disappointed if they don't get a playoff place. So yeah, I, as I say, I don't. We beat a good team yesterday, I think. So there we go. Anyway, so we talked about the ref. Um, after the red, I thought Rotherham were a pr- bit timid. Ollie, I don't know if this came across in the highlights, but um, you know, Paul Hurst didn't change the team. But the interesting thing was that he essentially thought, well, Abs has gone off, so I'll just make a Nolan and Godfrey run for the work of three people, <laughs> which they did. <laughs> Those two guys, oh my god, the work rate in that central midfield after Abu Abu went off was amazing but we just stayed the 4-4-1 then basically so we didn't change our tactics we didn't you know change our approach whatsoever and I think that kind of unsettled Rotherham a little bit because um, they did not attack us at all they attacked us but they didn't go for it the jugular they didn't make a attacking substitution straight away and it played right into our hands we saw out a good 10 minutes of that that sort of 10 man period with absolute relative ease I thought and, and I think a bit of that goes down to their manager really I think he, he should look at himself really and think that was an opportunity there for us to go and to go and kill them off, really, and they didn't do that. No, so I did. I, I've seen some of the highlights, and we did create a few chances. But um, it's interesting, isn't it, when team goes down to ten men? Because you know the the team that goes down to ten men always end up working hard um, and always having to fight. On in the majority of the cases, you know, they they become very very hard to beat. Yeah. Now um, the team that sometimes um, has has eleven men sometimes seem to make kind of rush or don't rush enough. They don't seem to know struggle to get the balance. And yeah, did they just kind of revert to type, not to type necessarily, mm. but they kind of, you know, to their strength and they thought, let's get the ball in the box as quickly as possible. Where obviously if they'd kept the ball and stretched us, you know, that's how, that's the, normally the way you break down a, men, a 10 man team and take advantage of the extra man. Yeah. They did a bit of both. To be honest with you, that first 10 minute, 10 minutes, they didn't, they didn't rush. They didn't rush at all. They they tried to keep playing, but they made a lot of mistakes during that period. And also, as I say, we worked damn hard to keep them out. And the defenders, you know, were br- brilliant during that ten man period the whole way through. Um, they blocked everything. And when they got the ball, actually, one of the things you said about the defenders is our distribution out was really good. We were yeah. always finding pain or one of the midfielders, so we weren't just hoofing it long and letting them come back at come back at us all the time. But then a bit later on, they did start to sort of panic, if you will, and they started to put more balls into the box and and make us make you know more more headers and stuff. Um, 
So yeah, it was a bit it was a bit strange really. You would have thought they would just I would have just gone for it personally if I was them. Nothing to lose in that situation is there, but they wasted a lot of time really. Um and they didn't play well during that period for for most of it. Um I should say a couple of things during that period as well. One of the things that seemed to galvanize the, the fan the, the the players and I just talked about how the positivity came off is um you know, they started a chant that was "We are the blue and amber army." It just went on for absolutely ages, like good ten minutes of this, just this one chant, really positive. Pretty much seemed like all seven hundred town fans were chanting it, and again, that added to this bit where they weren't playing very well. I think it sort of galvanised the team, and they they must have thought, "Now nah, we're going to try and see this out." Um, so we got through that period, and the chanting was going on, and then the goal eventually came because they did start pumping it into the box, and you know, Toto and um, Beckles were heading loads of them out clear, and and if they weren't, Henderson was coming and clearing shop. Um, or grabbing the ball, but you knew at one point one of the headers was just going to fall to that bit of space that they were going to have with the, with the ten men that we've got. You know, one of their midfielders was going to find a bit of space on the edge of the box, and that's what happened. Toto did well; he headed it out. Unfortunately, it fell straight to a guy, chested it down, and volleyed it in. So, you know, it was an unfortunate goal to concede. But if we were going to concede, that's how it was going to come. I I thought looking at the game. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, interesting. So, what, how how did the rest of the kind of yeah the game move on from here? Oh. Well, yeah. So then we were still creating, you know, even with ten men. We, we they were one of the thing. One of the reasons I've been thinking about it, that they were so timid to attack us was I think they were really worried about our counter attack, even with ten men, because we, it, we're good at it. You know what I mean? It's one of yeah. the things that town teams are starting to figure out about us. I think that's why it took them so long to actually go for it. And it, and then when they did go for it, we had a couple of really good counter attacks. There was one where Wally got down the right hand side, and he did put a really good ball across the box. It went right across the six yard box, and there was just no one there to put it in, unfortunately. So. You know, we were still creating chances. Um, there was a bit of a sketchy moment where Dino made his only error of the game, where he came to punch one and he sort of mispunched it, and it literally sort of just went wide of the goal. Um, and yeah, the pressure was sort of starting to really build then. And there was another moment just after that where Beckles, who was a, who was absolutely immense during the game, he made a double block and then a tackle and then hacked it clear. Um, and that was a massive moment with only about three or four minutes to go. And then we're starting to think, well, you know, a point we've done all right here. You know, we'll, we'll take this and we'll stop their pressure. And the board went up, Ollie. Six minutes, mate. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, Mark Elliott was um, furious about that. He <laughs> couldn't understand. And could you understand where the six minutes came from? Not really, to be honest with you, no. It was a few injuries, wasn't there, in the game. And whether he didn't play an injury time at the end of the first half, I don't know. But they're not supposed to do that, are they? But six minutes seemed excessive. Four yeah. I would have took. But um, as it turned out, it was quite good that it was six minutes injury time, wasn't there? So, yeah. as usual, with the Paul Hurst team, we didn't think six minutes injury time, we're going to sit back now. We, we kept attacking. Um, we had one one chance where we got forward and we didn't bother to go into the corner. We put the ball in as a cross. Um, which is obviously a trademark of Hurst now, to be honest with you. I don't think we ever go for the corner, really, unless, we, unless we're winning. If there's a chance to get another win out of it, he never does it. Um, and then again, a bit later on, we pushed forward and um, won a corner. And it was madness, pure madness. Like I, I put on Twitter just before the corner was going to be taken, this can't happen, can it? And then I don't think I tweeted for about another five minutes because it took me that long to calm down. And um, yeah, we nicked it, the ball came in. Uh, I think it was it was Carlton Morris, wasn't it? it sort of yeah, went towards it was, yeah. After a sort of thing, they headed it clear and it hit him on the thigh. Yeah, it was really, really poor header clearance. It was terrible, yeah. And they were claiming handball just to get anything out of it. It definitely wasn't handball. And then it fell just to the right man, didn't it? Old, old Paney. And he smashed it home. And yeah, he enjoyed his celebration. And he did enjoy one. I think we all did, to be honest with you. And I think it's worth Ollie doing this because I, I basically, as soon as we scored the goal, I put whipped my phone on and recorded a video. And uh, I want to play the audio of that clip now here, Ollie, because it gives you a reflection of <laughs> how I felt after the goal was scored. Get in! 
So there, Ollie, you could you can hear me screaming, what a season. I, look, I haven't actually heard this back yet, so I look forward to yeah. hearing that. <laughs> You'll hear it on the podcast, Ollie, when you get a chance. But um, yeah, that's what everyone was feeling like. And um, it was it was up there with the, the mental when we scored the winner at Doncaster, to be honest with you. But um, with 10 men, maybe it was a little bit sweeter, to be yeah. honest. But fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And then, yeah, there was still two minutes left then, because um, obviously we scored four minutes into injury time. So you still started to think, oh God, please don't let us draw now, because it will just be so good. And... There was a moment where one of their players went down injured and Payne kicked the ball out. Their, their guy got some treatment. It lasted about a minute and then they just kept the ball. I, I hated it. I was so glad we beat them after that happened because it was so classless. Did that, did that and, rile the Shooter Town fans up even more? It did, didn't it? And it was so good when they when they lost then at the end because it just felt much better. So I didn't like to see that. And, it, and that's what I mean about Payne jumping on the pitch at the start of the game. You know, If you're going to talk about you know how class your players are or professionalism, you shouldn't do that really. So... There we go, um, and and that was it. Then the final whistle went, and it was also completely insane again. And yeah, it was just brilliant. My dad said it was the best away game we've been to for years. He was talking about Berry away and um, and MK Dons away in the playoff games. It was one of those. It was up there with that for me as well. I think personally. So um, yeah, and then as we were sort of filtering down towards the front, the news was coming through that Charlton and Wigan had conceded late goals. Um, and the day just kept getting better and better, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was good. It was yeah. The, the results went well for us. They did super fantastic, didn't they? So we went four points clear at the top, didn't we? And the, the gap to the, the playoff places sort of stuck, didn't it? So yeah, there we go. So that was that, really. Uh, do you want me to do my top three, Ollie? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, top three was good. It was. Um, I think I've mentioned these three, haven't I? But uh, Henderson was, I think, had his best game in terms of the way he dominated his area. So I gave him man of the match. Um, I thought Beckles was really good at centre-back as, as one of these guys that's coming into the team new and, and settling into it. Fantastic. And I, thought, I talked about Nolan as well. thought he was brilliant. But commendable words for Godfrey, um, for Toto, for Payne as well. They were all brilliant. Um, and no one had a bad game. They all really put a shift in. So, yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, good. Yeah, sounds like you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly did. I, I, yeah, so I, um, I enjoyed my weekend, but um, yeah, I wish I had uh, gone to that. Yeah, I wish I'd gone. <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, you, yeah, you wish you'd gone and... Uh, I'm sure a lot of time fans are probably uh, hopefully enjoying the podcast in terms of giving that insight that um, yeah for those who weren't there. But if uh, anyone feels like that, get to Barry on Tuesday night because yeah. it's going to be the same, I reckon. Yeah, I, well, I hope so. I'm going to have to. I'm in London, and I, but I'm going to be in Barry um, in the evening because I'm going to the game. Um, yes. I'm going to yeah have to leave work at I think 3 p.m. Um, oh, right, to okay. make sure I make it in time because I think it's like a, a four-hour drive or something like that. So I think maximum four hours. So. I should be okay, but um, yeah, it's, it's a long drive anyway. That's not, that's for I sure. Think we'll take loads. I think we'll take loads anyway. So yeah, anyway, so that was that was what I thought of the game, and I, I listened to Paul Hurst on the way back because I managed to get Radio Shropshire on the old iPhone on the way back, which is which is fantastic, isn't it? When you get to listen to real, all the fan reaction on the way in, although there wasn't much fan reaction, there was a lot of uh, padding because they waited ages for Payne to come out, and then he never came out and did an interview, did he? But um, yeah, what did you think of uh, Hurst's post-match comments? Yeah, he was he was he took him quite a while to kind of start. He like mm. you could tell he was really thinking about all his answers. Um, peed off. Yeah, he was peed <laughs> off. He was really annoyed, and I got this. With the ref. Yeah, he, he was annoyed with the ref, and I think he also annoyed with quite a lot of things. And I kind of come on to that. So, um, yeah, he was great. Three points. Um, disappointed with the sending off, um, and also the, after that, he commented on how you know he'd never seen a ref rush a team so much. Mm, um, he was very very frustrated um, that um, when Payne kicked the ball out, the keeper didn't give it back. Um, yeah. he, um, it's, Per said that their t- their management team had told the keeper to give it back, um, but he didn't. Um, so Hurst mm. was not very impressed with that. Um, he mentioned <laughs> the fans, um, and also he mentioned about the shape as well. You know that we went yeah. to four one one that worked really well, and they kept putting into the box. Um, and like yourself, Glenn, you know he was um, quick to celebrate, but also you know did, he was concerned that you know you know often teams come back, don't they? Um, yes. 
on the red, he said he didn't think it was a red, and he thought the player maybe needed to stretch her. Um, so he was mm. clear he wasn't too impressed with that, and he thought also <laughs> he thought it was a soft pen. Um, so yeah, very much in kind of agreement with your view. Um, yeah. He's also very he's picking up on a few things that were quite interesting. So he said, "Why was um, no, no the foul on Wally where it looked like it could have been a pen?" Yes. Um, he said, "Why was there no yellow for that?" Yeah. I don't and know. he said also well, he was asking the fourth official during the game like why are these decisions being given and the fourth official gave no answer now you know when you're on when you're watching sky tv you can always see the fourth official talking but yeah. maybe it kind of insinuates that maybe the fourth official didn't actually really agree with the ref um which kind of goes kind of adds weight to your argument mm. that the ref was yeah, he, a bit biased he kind of sounded like it was a bit pointless asking the fourth official anything from yeah. that point almost didn't he yeah <laughs> which is interesting and interestingly <laughs> as well so obviously he got um, a very warm welcome but uh, oh this was good yeah yeah but there's obviously <laughs> a lot of rotherham fans i'll say a lot that's, that's probably that's an exaggeration but yeah there's no. a few also fan, um, rotherham fans who don't like him as much um anymore so yeah he said they called him every name under the sun <laughs> did you hear that no i didn't they hear called that him every name under the sun they said oh. after he after we scored so yeah he, he did say that on the interview as well but yeah there we go so yeah interesting good. and the final kind of thing was yeah after the whistle he said he was talking to must have been doig he was saying that's what we're about that's what we're about but also a nice one for him as well is um he could obviously he could enjoy the evening because it was his daughter's birthday so um oh. so that was quite nice for him and he, he turned man. around so he was watching extended highlights and you turn around and he's he's celebrating and he's pointing with both hands and fingers up to the uh, you know up to the kind of the director's box must have been where his family were so he's, yeah so it was really interesting to see him do that straight away um, so obviously his his family must have heard him getting abused and all that kind of stuff so yeah he's quick mm. to celebrate with them so yeah that he, was he nice. did also say a lot of positive about Rotherham he did, did he the did club and how they looked after his family and stuff yeah, which I did. thought was again credit to Rotherham for that bit ability as well you know. He is a legend. Yeah, he's a legend, and at that club, it's clear. I mean, it doesn't take many people to kind of react into the game, and a few people to kind of spoil, um, you know, a minority ruining it for the you know the majority in terms of their reputation. So, so yeah, we shouldn't yep. take yeah we shouldn't you know it's got to take it all with a pinch of salt. Exactly. Yeah, I, I actually listened to the post-match interview of um, Paul Warren, the the Rotherham manager, as well, which was interesting because he, he actually seemed like a decent bloke. He seemed a bit more in the Paul Hurst mould. So maybe it's something about Rotherham and you know people who play for Rotherham in the in the past but um he, he started off as saying hugely deflated called us a very good Shrewsbury Town team um actually said he thought they started off as the underdog which <laughs> which can't be very often that happens against us but um yeah um but he thought they did enough for the point which I suppose is fair enough on the context of how the game went um with a, with a last minute winner um and he thought we this is another one that I'd not spotted during the day but he thinks they should have had a penalty late on before we had our last minute winner in injury time apparently there was a ball in the box which we got which was handballed so I did not see that. I, I put weird when I was going through that because I don't even recall that happening. But maybe that's my blue and amber tinted spectacles. So who knows? Um, uh, he said the red, he never saw it. He thought it just looked like a tackle. But to be fair, it did, a, did an arson banger on it and said I did not see it. Um, called us resilient and organised, um, which is the same thing Hurst described us as a couple of times, I think. Yeah. Um, called Henderson outstanding and was very clear that he was the best goalkeeper that he'd seen this season. And he said, we've gone toe-to-toe with the best team in the league. Nice to hear that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Um, and he didn't moan about it. He was very positive. I thought, nice chap. Um, and he said, which I thought was an interesting thing, because they were saying, oh, you're old teammates. And, you know, I think they seem like they're mates, to be honest with you. But um, he said it was unusual because before the game, him and her sat down in his office and talked for ages before the kickoff. Um, and he said that doesn't normally happen. And he said he's going to catch up with them again now. And, and, you know, it's nice to meet old teammates. So, yeah, interesting that they actually had a big, long chat before the game started. I imagine they didn't talk about formations or anything. But <laughs> No, it's a good point. You reminded me of something I actually wanted to mention because um, Paul Hurst was at St. George's Park, um, which, for those who don't know, that's the England's training and that kind of like where they do a lot of coaching training yeah. these days. And he actually went down with um, a member of the Rotherham staff 
Uh, and but he said he talked about everything but the game. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So it's not surprising that both of them be professional there. But um so that's no, interesting. So yeah. So let's say, Glenn, you enjoyed it. <sighs> yeah. And we are top of the league top again. Top of the league. That's, yeah, I don't want that's the best way to round it out. Exactly. And just yeah, just to kind of do a little quick um round the grounds kind of thing in terms of the league table. So yeah, we're first in the league. Um, with 40 points second are Wigan with 36 and interestingly we've got this you know everyone's talking about yeah plucky shrews being all this kind of stuff but we've got the second best goal difference in the league Um, it's three better than Blackburn but it's eight better than Bradford you know so yeah you know you can kind of have that one rather than fans theirs is plus six and interestingly as well Blackburn and then Oxford who are just out uh, out of the playoff places so Oxford are seventh and they have got 26 points so that's how far. Oh, so the God. gap is huge. So it's it's seven to Bradford, but the gap um, to stay in, you know, for the guys who are trying to get into the playoffs is, is huge. And just for Paul Hurst, yeah, to get the rather um, the relegation zone. So Northampton is eighteen <laughs> points. So yeah, fifty points Hurst, fifty points. I'd be looking forward to see what he says after fifty points. But um, yeah, yeah. he'd be able to change his interview answers, wouldn't he? Because the, the the other thing we should just mention quickly. We're going to come into Southampton news in a minute, but. Um, is that uh, the BBC were up to do a football focus yep. section on t- town, weren't they? Have you watched and it? They got, yeah, I watched it. It was good. They were going around and they spoke to Hurst and Sadler and a couple of other people and everyone just said 50 points, yep. 50 points. <laughs> couldn't get any other answer out of anyone no. other than 50 points. So we're only 10 points away from that now. So we'll probably be done by Christmas and then we can start looking at other targets, can't Talk we? So winning the league. There we go. That was a fantastic week as a Shrewsbury Town fan again, Ollie. So we shall uh, we'll wrap up the, the match action there and we'll go into a bit of sound-up news. Formation and you're starting 11 and it's 2-0! And Shrewsbury Town look like they've got themselves the victory here. Well, he went unchallenged, did Arthur Genoa, and he finds the bottom corner. So, sign-up news. Um, yeah, two bits of interesting news this week, really, that I picked up on that I thought was worth talking about, Ollie. Um, the first was the annual BBC uh, Price of Football survey they do every year and um, how town came out of it. And I thought it was just worth mentioning, really, because we talk about how you know much entertainment we're getting this season. Um, and this is obviously for the... You know, for the, the match day prices as they are this season in this survey. And Town came out of it really well. Um, the average cost of match day tickets, season tickets, and uh, I think the shirts as well were either at the average for the entire league or were below the average, particularly the shirts, which were quite a way below the average that other teams are charging their fans for shirts. So, yeah, I thought it was a commendable thing for Shrewsbury Town. You know, we certainly feels like we're getting value for money, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, we, I, th- I think, we think we get treated quite well in terms of costs and stuff, don't we? Yeah, it's nice to see it comparatively across the Football League as well. And the other interesting thing in that survey was they did a comparison of the prices that people are paying for their season tickets per goal. And one of the things we didn't feature very well on last season was the average cost per goal last season. So every goal that we saw at home last season cost us £9.83. <laughs> did, that, did, did those goals feel like £9.83 worth of goals, Ollie? <laughs> sounds very expensive. We'll have, to, um, yeah, we'll have to try and figure out the stat. I'll see if I can do it quite quickly to get what we've done this season. But um, yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, be much better this season, wouldn't yeah. it? To be fair, MK Dons was up at fourteen pound. They didn't see hardly any goals at home last season. MK Dons, so we were quite down the list on that one. But yeah, all in all, commendable Shrewsbury Town, and they've done some good value ticket deals as well for the FA Cup this season. So yeah, I thought it was just worth mentioning that one. Yeah. Really, and, and the, the second thing really was um, Brian did one of his update videos. So I, I logged on to watch it as I normally do because we normally get some interesting stuff out of Brian, don't we? On you know things like the safe stand or other bits and pieces with the catering and what's going on. But I, I logged on to watch the sort of short version that's on YouTube because I don't have it. I follow and the whole thing was tailored to be a bit of a pop at the FA. It was really interesting. So we should just mention last week we got kicked out of the Youth FA Cup. Um, we played Evesham on the on the weekend, I think last weekend, uh, beat them 3-0. Um, and we thought we had special dispensation for a third-year pro to play who was above age. Um, and 
Brian seemed massively annoyed. <laughs> I would probably use more dubious words than that. Um, basically saying that he felt, I don't know if he said the word dishonest, but it came across like he thought the FA were being dishonest uh, in that they changed their story. So we'd apparently contacted them, the youth guys that organised the fixtures, um, got this tentative agreement that we could play him. And then suddenly when Evesham lost and complained, they backtracked on it, backed, backed sort of um, Evesham's appeal. And as a net result, we got kicked out of the cup. So that was one thing. Um, Brian basically said he thought it was totally the FA's fault, um, totally the FA competitions department specifically. Um, and yeah, so that was the first thing that seemed to annoy Brian about the FA. And then a bit later on, the next bit of this video, and then it cut off after this, was that they were talking about appealing um, Ben Godfrey's red card. Um, and it was not accepted and had a bit of a rant about the fact that the FA did not, you know, give us a response in the time frame. They said they would. They didn't give us the, the due care and attention that, you know, an appeal would, would be valid. And basically said, I've, this, is, this is a quote because I put it in quotes. Personally, I have lost a lot of faith in the FA. So I, I watched this video and I thought, fair enough, he's standing up for his football club and, and defending us. And that's brilliant. But does that really help us? You know, does that get back to the FA and does that put us in the bad books? And and does that ever reflect itself in any way to the match day activities? I th- what do you think? Ollie? I don't think so. No, I th- probably not. No, I, I don't think. I think there's so much going on in the football <laughs> league world and the world of football that it probably never really gets back to them. And if it did, I, th- I think there's probably so many people. You know, it, it, it's. I think. I think. I think. It's, I think it's almost these things that are isolated. I imagine there's a lot of people in the FA kind of work in these departments. Um, yeah. It just seems very dodgy. It does sound like we've been um, yeah, led up a garden path with the youth player. Mm. Um, but last season, we definitely did have some issues. So I'm not sure. I think there is definitely, I don't know, I'm, this is just going off on a whim, but I'm really surprised if you know bigger teams definitely get favourable results. And also I'm really surprised that even teams that are a bit further south get you know, more favourable results. You know, you know, no one no one in the press was really talking about you know Wrexham and Chester, but when it happened to Lake Norient, it was all in the press. So yeah, I wouldn't be true. surprised if there's a few things, maybe in that sense, you know, was to see us as a, you know, a rural northern team or something, mm. which we're not. Obviously, yeah. we're not in the north, but no, we're not. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, I just thought the whole thing was interesting that we, we were happy to put, you know, things like that up on our YouTube account for our official football club with essentially just having a pop at the FA and saying we've lost faith in them. Yeah. I, I, you know. I, I, it probably doesn't reflect particularly well on us, but it probably doesn't affect the match day activities. No. But I imagine that someone in the FA is probably a bit miffed about it if they've ever heard it. Hopefully they didn't. So <laughs> only only 300 people have watched that video so far, so it was fine. But um, yeah, there, there we go, I suppose. And then the, the bad thing about it is obviously we were kicked out of the Youth Cup and that's the premier cup for our youth lads. You know, it's the thing they look forward to every season and, um, you know, through really no fault of their own. And after a good performance in the in the first round, we're, we're not in it this season. So that's a bit of a blow to the youth setup this season, I think. Yeah, it is. It's a disappointing. Uh, it's a disappointing thing to happen. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll learn from it. We have had some instances in the past, haven't we? Of um, ad, let's call it admin error. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Jake Robinson. Yeah, exactly. A few things. <laughs> that's the classic, isn't it? To close this section, I've just I did some yes. quick maths, Glenn. Um, and at the Go moment um, for this season. Um, take the season ticket divided by the 23 games, um, then the number of goals. Um, goals per game this season is six pound and 83 for goals. Oh, so yeah, so yeah, 30 percent almost, well, almost 30 percent improvement. So not bad. Super stuff. And then the last thing that you said you'd, you'd asked uh, fans for questions this week, and one of them came up that you thought was really interesting, and you've tried to you're going to try and catch me out, but I've done some research. So yeah, what was the question? So there's two questions. Yeah, two parts of the question. So it was kind of a bit of a yeah, it was a, it was a loaded question in the sense it was is Dean Henderson <laughs> the best loan signing we ever had? So I guess yep. the question there is so Glenn, what do you? And it's interesting to how you take this question, like the best loan signing in terms of his performance for the team, mm. which is or the best player that we've had on loan. 
um, in terms of his career. So yeah. I took it as the kind of um, the latter um, rather than the former. So yeah, what's what's your what's your answer for that one? So I had an answer for both of those. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in terms of quality of player, you'd have to go a long way to beat what Gilfie Sigerson's turned into, wouldn't you? He's a really, really good player. And obviously, we only had him for, what was it, seven or eight games? And he was impressive in most of those games. Scored a couple of good goals, didn't he, during that period of time? And so, for me, if you're looking at players who've gone on to be a, a really good player, I think Gilfie stands out as the, the top one of those. But in terms of impact on a season, you'd also have to go quite a long way to beat Kai Kai. And, and Harry basically saved us at the end of that season with his, with his fantastic football. So, to me, in terms of lone players and, and the impact or, or the way that they've gone on to, to do really well, those two sort of definitely stand out to me. I think by the end of the season, Henderson's going to probably have a very good chance of being top of that list, in all honesty. And he probably is going to go on and maybe be as good as Gilfie if he, if he continues with his career as he has done now. But... Uh, yeah, they'd be the first two that stood out to me when I thought back about long players. And this is only during my era in terms of how long I've been going. But I think we've had quite a lot of good goalkeepers who've been on loan as well. You know, if you remember Luke Daniels and David Button, you know, yeah. both gone on to have good careers at better clubs than us, um, and bigger clubs than us. And also Scott Shearer, who we had on loan as well. Um, so we seem to be quite good at getting loan goalkeepers in, particularly when I went back and thought about loan players who stood out. You know, those three came to mind um, straight away. So I thought it was worth mentioning those. And then... I thought that was just mentioning a lot of the other loan, a few other loan players that I've liked over the years. So we obviously had Sadler for that first season with us. He was brilliant at left back, and he was on loan that season. I actually quite liked Cameron Gale and James Tavernier. I know they've both had careers that have gone down the tubes, but for us, I thought they were quite good. And then obviously, when you think about recent times, we've got Jack Grimmer, a full season of him on loan, and he was good that season. And I really liked Bobby Grant when we had him on loan as well during the promotion season. So there's a lot of players that we've had on loan, but. One of the things I did note when I was going through this is most of the players we've had on loan have been rubbish. Yeah, they are. Loan's <laughs> so, always good for Campbell. <laughs> so there you go. There's a few names for it. And didn't he ask you something about the most passionate player as well, talking about yeah. Anderson? Yeah, he did. But um, can I give my answer? Yeah, you give your answer. <laughs> oh, on the loans. Go on, Ollie. I, was, I had quite a few there. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I, I thought, of, for me, in terms of the best player we've had on loan, um, he's definitely um, Giffy, Giffy Sigerson in oh, terms good. of, you know, there we go. you know, he's played, you know, in the European Championships. You know, he's been one of the best players in the Premier League in terms of, you know, performances and goals last season for, for attack midfielder. So, yeah, it's got to be him. And also in terms of almost, I know it was only five games um, and he scored a super goal, but he did, he just looked a player, didn't he? And he had a big impact. Obviously, Kai Kai had a big impact in terms of uh, helping us stay up. Um, and even they maybe you can say like even Stefan Payne, didn't he? You know, and, and Ladipo and um, Robert yeah. and a lot of guys. But yeah. So then the next question, which is an interesting one, <laughs> was who was the yeah. most passionate pe- player we've had? And obviously this links back to Dino as again with his celebration. But who do yeah. you think is the most passionate time player you've seen? So for me, my, my stock answer for that for years was always Tommy Lynch. As, as a kid when I was growing up, he, he was the epitome of passion on the pitch. He, he seemed to get involved with the fans. He, he seemed like a lad about town and, and he'd be involved with Shrewsbury Town fans when he lived here. And proper sort of Irish battler, wasn't he? And, and for me growing up, he was always my go-to answer on that. And I still think he is. You know, he was a proper player, wasn't he, Tommy Lynch? You remember Tommy Lynch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he, he was always my answer on that. But I, I was thinking, again, I was trying to think in recent times, Luke Rogers, when he was young, first playing for us, he always seemed real passionate. He, he loved the interaction with the fans and he'd get us going and he played with a passionate style, didn't he, Luke Rogers? Yeah. He was he was all go gun, go go get it sort of thing. And also I think Ben Erd, when he was here as well, I think he really enjoyed the interaction with us as fans. I was trying to think about someone who interacts with us like Dean Henderson does. And I remember Ben Erd doing it a lot, you know, I remember him stripping down to just his pants that one time, <laughs> wasn't it, in the playoffs, uh, and getting involved with the fans. So yeah, they're the three that sort of stood out to me straight away. But it was a bit harder to think about passionate fans. Well yeah, passionate one's a funny one. I'd say Mark Tierney was definitely up there. Yes, that's he's, a good actor. Yeah, he, yeah. he was a good one. Um, and yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm yeah, i going to stick with Mark Turner, I think, in terms of passionate until this season. Um, but I think it's also, it's it's hard to kind of gauge the passion because there's been this has been such a passionate season. 
Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's been yeah, it's been so many unique moments. Um, but yeah, I can't. <laughs> I've never heard of a goalkeeper jumping in to um, the fans <laughs> and then he's on loan. So it, yeah, I, I think um, mad, I think Dean it? Henderson is gonna yeah he's gonna go down as a uh, if we if, if something really happens special happens this season, I think Dean Henderson's gonna be kind of the players ever remember. And yeah, mm. I really really hope he has a fantastic career. I really hope he yeah. goes on to play for Man United in England. Don't know whether you'll get to that level, but at this point, there's absolutely no reason why he can't. If his trajectory carries on, his age and his performance and his ability, as you were saying, you know, the Rotherham fans were, could see straight away he was so confident. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so th- yeah, thanks for that question from Martin Wall. Yeah, thanks, Martin. It was a great question, actually. And just talking about passion, two things about that I was going to say. One, that his passion is actually encouraging a lot of the other lads to do it now. Godfrey, yeah. particularly, is getting involved with it a lot more. And Toto on Saturday was loving it as well. And, and came right up to the fans and so did Stefan Payne actually and he was really passionate at the end as well obviously he scored the winner was buzzing but I think it, it's kind of he's quite um, oh, I forget what the word is now he brings on the others do you know what I mean yeah. there's a word for it you know, he encourages me, them words them. yeah he encourages them to do the same thing so I think it's helping the whole team to be honest with you and yeah and the other thing I was going to say Ollie is there's um, there's an interesting discussion going on at the moment I saw one of the sort of bloggers Shoe Town bloggers I think it's the Shrew Wright isn't it he's, yeah. he's one of the town bloggers I put a call out for him I read his article today and starting to t- talk about is Dean Henderson better at this age than Joe Hart was when we had him? And I know Joe was younger, wasn't he? I think he was like he was 17, 16 18. when he first came to the Shrews team. Exactly, much younger. And so it's not quite a fair comparison. But, you know, the fact that people are starting to make those comparisons now is interesting in terms of where Joe's career has gone. Um, so, yeah, it, it's 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 all good things for, for Henderson. He is definitely a fan's favourite at the moment. Yep. Number one, I think. So... There we go. Good question. Thank you, Martin. And uh, we'll wrap up that bit of the salad news and we'll just go on to predictions and look forward to the next couple of games, Ollie. Hibbert cleared and he throws Dunfield. Dunfield! Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Dunfield! It is like a dream on the half volley from 25 yards into the top corner. You will not see a better goal anywhere this season. So, um, so yeah, predictions. Um, so, after, Glenn, you had a good start to the season, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was well ahead at one point, you see, but you've clawed it back, haven't you, recently? Yeah, have you been enjoying the scarf? It's obviously, I, you definitely want to take it to Berry, so it's going to be pretty cold, <laughs> I think, on um, Tuesday night. My son wore the scarf all day at Rotherham. Oh, good to hear it's been used. It's good to hear it's been used. So, yeah, the reason I mentioned that, and also thinking, what's the present going to be next year? Because, um, yeah, you took a bit of a lead, a bit like I did last season, actually. Um, but now, mm-hmm. um, I went for 2-1, you went one all, Glenn. You had no faith. Yep. I had faith in oh, Paul, yeah. in Paul Hurst and the boys. And um, yeah, I'm winning now 10-9. So yeah, it's not like I'm thrashing you or anything. So I went for 2-1. You were one minute away from being significantly behind, Ollie. Yeah, and I was also... <laughs> it would have been 1-1. But I also nearly went for 3-1, didn't I? So I changed it. So, yeah, you did. Yeah, so a bit controversial, but that's what it is. So yeah, so it's 8-9. Um, it's eight, um, eight, I'm sorry, 8-9. 10-9. Can't get my words out. Um, yeah, so we're gonna not going to do the Berry game for prediction, but we should talk about um, the Berry game. So Berry are bottom of the league with 13 points. Um, and they lost again at the weekend. Um, and I'm just going to Facebook Messenger because after Shrewsbury Town won, um, and I was yeah in this cottage um, in um, Oxfordshire celebrating like mad, listening to Shropshire Radio, um, I sent my <laughs> friends, um, my berry mates, a message. And I said to them, looking forward to Tuesday night. 
And, and one of them, <laughs> Hannah, responded, "Glad someone is." <laughs> oh no! And then yeah, my mate Dear Adam me. said, um, "He, my mate Adam said, um, which is the, the brother to Hannah, the guy I went to uni with." He said, "Can we just meet up for a pint and not do the football?" <laughs> and he said, "There are shambles." And then Hannah said, oh, "I God. think I'm busy on Tuesday." And considering they're both um, season ticket holders, um, <laughs> that says a lot. Um, Adam said, mm. um, "The large inflated pay packets are coming home to roost. The next manager has a big job on their hands, a bit like almost yep. like the Sunderland manager's job." So. Yeah, interesting one there. Um, now, yeah, we're not going to do the Berry game, but do you think we're going to win this one on, on Tuesday night? You know, it's all kind of set up for a bit of a fall, isn't it? You know, mm. bottom of the league, on a high. Now, a question for you, Glenn. You mentioned when you were doing the analysis of the game that Nolan and Godfrey had to work hard. So when yeah. you said that, made me think of the Berry game. Are you a bit concerned yeah. maybe about fitness? Uh, it doesn't sound like really. Berry really tried very hard on Saturday. <laughs> so maybe no. they got a bit more in the tank. I think they've got a lot more in the tank, and I think a, a week and a half or two weeks off, whatever it was, break has certainly helped, doesn't it? With just the one sort of EFL trophy game to play in, in between. So I certainly don't think they're going to be not having anything in the tank for the Berry game. I think that we'll probably slot Mor- Bryn Morris in the midfield yep. instead of um, a go-go, and I think that'll just mean that the, the midfield complement is, is up to what it was, and they'll all have the legs still. So I'm not I'm not worried about fitness. I'm not particularly worried about their run, because um, we played Plymouth, didn't we? We were bottom of the league, and we, we only just got a point against them, didn't we, with a late equaliser. Um so you know, there's no there's no standard for us to go and thrash the team bottom of the league. But I, I agree what you just said, and your friend said Barry look like an absolute shambles, don't they? And um, as it stands now, Sunday night they still haven't announced a new manager, so they've only got tomorrow to announce a new manager if they want to get one in before the game. So if he does, he'll and be maybe... just in the stand when he wouldn't be um... exactly. He won't take charge, and so sounds like Ryan Lowe is going to be in charge of their team, which is a a very interesting state of affairs, yep. isn't it? Considering he's one of our old players, so. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm expecting us to go and beat Berry. To be perfectly honest with you, I'd be so. disappointed if we don't. Yeah, yeah it, it, I know that's being a bit big-headed, and but, but we are you know, top and they are bottom, so it's kind of a the bookies would probably put us down as favourites. Yeah, and Barry, and Blackburn are you know having a decent season, and they smashed them three 0 at home, and the week the week before that in the FA Cup. They um, got beat in the replay by Woking, didn't they? I think it was Woking or one of the non-league teams. They got beat three 0 or something like that. So they're obviously just totally crap. So yeah, <laughs> we'll win that, and then we move on to the next game. We're going to predict, which is a biggie, <sighs> which is the ever improving. Should we say that yeah. Bradford City? Yeah, they are. They're they're a good team, aren't they? Um, and yeah, they were actually on. Um, they were actually um, covered on the um, the Totally Football Show League um, Football Edition, um, and they were talking about Bradford. Um, so it was quite interesting actually get a bit of insight there. Um, and yeah, it sounds like they're kind of yeah they're, they're kind of like a bit like a, a a big train kind of you know it's got taken some time to get some momentum going. Um, but they yeah they beat Wigan at the weekend, yeah, which really puts them into gear, doesn't it? It does, and they're a good team. Um, obviously, um, we're at home, so obviously we've got a bit of an advantage there. So yeah, so shall I go first? Considering I um, yeah, go on your ahead. You can go yeah, first I'm going to go for two one again. Two one win for Shrewsbury. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I think we'll beat Barry, and then I think we'll we'll have a little bit of after Lord Mayor's show. I think we'll go one one. One one again. Oh, okay. I'm showing the non-faith again. Yeah. But I, I think we're going to keep unbeaten. Well, well I remember. Do you remember? You probably can't remember, but I can remember how I took a lead last year because I just mm. said we're going to lose every game. <laughs> so I, I'm <laughs> sticking. So I'm season, sticking though. with the, the winnings, and yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure you'd love it if we win. So. Um, so you think after losing one game, we're going to smash three wins in back to back? Yeah, you? that's that's going to be pretty impressive, isn't it? That's that is the mark of title contenders yeah. for sure. So if we do that, yeah, we're. Actually, I think it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for a win. I'm hoping we win. So they did lose to Plymouth. Um, they yeah. lost to um, the Rotherham. Okay, in the in the um, checker trade, uh, they did beat Chesterfield in the cup. Um, so yeah, the interesting to beat Wigan um, is a big one. But mm. who knows? So yeah, 
And NKP coming back again, and they'll definitely sell out their yeah, allocation. So it'll be, be, a, it'll be a sold out away end. And I'd like to think that this will be the game where the town fans' attendance takes off a little bit because I think taking that many to an away game and the, the, the sort of push we should do as fans, again, I've said this a few weeks now, get your family back down there, get everybody you know down there because this is just, it is a once in a generational thing at the moment. You know, it's been since the 80s when we were in a situation where we could potentially get promoted into yep. the, into the championship. And that was 30 years ago. So, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we were, I was just only just born then. I didn't start going to the town until it was a lot later in the 90s. So I certainly think that this is where we should be, you know, banging the drum. And I, I put something on sort of, there's a Facebook page in there, you know, what it's like to be from Shrewsbury thing, which everyone sort of moans about the roadworks and <laughs> all the other bad things that are going on in Shrewsbury. I put a message on there on, on last night saying look this is a chance now to come down and witness something that's very special for this football club and, and quite unique at times um, and it had a massive response of people saying I'm going to come down I'm, I went to my first game in the Aldershot FA Cup game and I'm, I'm definitely going to come back so I'd like to think we could push yeah get like the Blackburn Blackburn fans back again yeah let's get them all back and, and you know even if we do lose the Brad, Bradford game it's, it's getting people back engaged with the football yep. club so I'll be on I'll be on social media and, and bits and pieces maybe hopefully get on the radio to talk it up this week if, if Radio Shops will let me blather on there like I do on here so yeah I think that's a um, massive game and if we go and end up beating Bradford jeez man this season <laughs> just uh, the giddiness will be retained for another week um, but yeah there we go it's good so I'm looking forward to Bradford we'll be there won't we yeah. and covering it yeah, next Sunday both, yeah we've both gone to both games so yeah I've just done the just checked it yeah it's 207 miles from my office to to Bury on <laughs> Tuesday you've got um, you've only got to do 80 miles Glenn so obviously I'm more of a passionate fan than you so I've got to do more miles yeah that's fine you're, you're the big <laughs> fan um, I'm taking me dad and me brother we're uh, meeting cool. up and uh, meeting up in a car halfway up the M4 A49 to all kind of go up in one car then so yeah. needs must and I'm sure we'll take I'd like to think we'll take five, six hundred yeah, to Bury we do, we, on a Tuesday night because it's not far yeah it's not too far we'd normally take quite a few fans there and yeah I'm hoping to get there in good time um, even if, if a meeting's cancelled that'd be quite nice even leave even earlier we shall, we shall try and find you yeah. I've, got, yeah, I've got a few people I haven't seen for a while it's uh, a good one isn't it because there's, there's lots of pubs and bars and stuff you can go to so yeah it's a yeah. good away trip so yeah if you're not sure what to go or not hopefully Glenn has enthused you and you yeah <laughs> up for this one so yeah thanks guys for listening and um, super stuff yeah we'll uh, be back next Sunday hopefully after two more victories but um, yeah let's, <laughs> let's see how it happens cheers guys oh!